The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Welcome to the show, everyone, as always. I really appreciate you tuning in to see uh, what's going on here on my little corner of the internet. And as always, I just like to remind people to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you like what's going on here on the podcast, tell your friends and leave a review if you so desire. You know, it could, uh, hopefully it'll be a good review. (laughs) I can take criticism too. Uh, However you'd like to engage, I'd love to hear from you. So just to kind of jump right in here, I just have to tell you something. One of the things that my husband hates to hear in the morning is, I had the weirdest dream. Do you want to hear about it? So I say this a lot. He'll usually groan and roll over and he tells me, well, no one thinks that's interesting. Well, I think it's very interesting. And I've been interested in dream work and dream interpretation for a long time. On and off, I've kept a dream log for many years. And I always look into my dreams for meaning and information. So for example, last night I had a typical stress dream. And with me, it manifests something like this. It's me having to deal with something not working. So this has shown up in various scenarios, like I'm back in the radio studio of one of the stations that I worked at, you know, back in my DJ days, nothing works. I have dead air, the equipment's fried, something like that. I mean, that seems pretty easy to figure out, right? It's a typical stress dream. And I've talked to other DJ friends and they've all had some version of this dream. Um, I've also had a vivid dream where my mother visited me shortly after her death and I believe in my heart that that was a communication, although other people may disagree that that is possible. I think it was because it was a very different dream from any other dream that I've ever had. So anyway, this I digress, but this just kind of leads into my guest here because I'm just fascinated with this and I really want to ask her about dream work. So today we're going to be discovering the deep healing that can be found in our dreams and how to work with them. And my guest today is Linda Yael Schiller a mind, body, and spiritual psychotherapist, author, and teacher. And she facilitates group dream circles and trains professionals like other therapists on working with dreams. And she's written this fascinating book that I've been checking out and spending a little time with, PTS Dreams, Transform Your Nightmares from Trauma Through Healing Dream Work. This is published by Llewellyn. And Linda combines neuroscience, healing, mysticism, and creativity creativity to transform our nightmares into a new story, one of hope and healing. 
And I'm so happy to welcome her today. She joins me from Boston. So Linda, thanks for talking with me today. It's a pleasure to be here, Diane. Well, I'm really fascinated in this subject and there's so much great information in the book. And, you know, I think your book is so timely because I believe we're living in a dystopian nightmare right now. And and hopefully you can help us to make some sense of it. So, you know, the book is on nightmares and trauma, um, which I feel is particularly relevant in these times. And the book is called PTS Dreams. And I like how it's kind of a play on PTSD and then you, you fit dreams in there. And I wanted to ask you specifically, I'm curious about the term PTSD, you know, who gets PTSD and who doesn't. I actually have a family member who is convinced that he suffers from PTSD and um, I'm like, PTSD from what? Like I, to me, it doesn't seem like he's suffered any post-traumatic stress trauma, but maybe in his mind that he has, you know? So anyway, I I just kind of wanted to establish the difference, I guess, between between trauma, which seems easy to recognize, and PTSD? Sure, Diane, that's a really good question, and it's a good way to start, because let, let me start with what the types of trauma that there are, and then talk about who may or who may not develop PTSD, which stands for post-traumatic stress disorder, and who doesn't. So trauma is when we experience an event or we witness event, even if we didn't personally experience, whereby we feel that we're endangered, we're in harm's way, sometimes as large as we could die or the felt senses we could die, even if it's not a reality. And we have a large emotional response to that. So that's sort of like the basic on one foot definition. And then a breakdown trauma, there's public trauma, there's private trauma. And in the book, I've identified a third type of trauma that kind of combines those two. So public trauma is something that happens in the larger sphere of our life. Things like an earthquake or any other natural disaster, things like a a war, things like you're in a very bad car accident things like medical trauma, where there were complications from surgery and there were a lot of pain and suffering as a result. So what makes these events traumatic is is two things. One is the event itself. And second is our response to it. And there's actually a third. The third is whether or not we get help and support and even belief in the, the thing that happened. So with public trauma, There's not a question of, did it happen or didn't happen? If you're a refugee from the Ukraine, we're not in doubt that your country is under uh, under siege and there's a war happening right now. Um, If you have been a a victim of of police violence and you've been hospitalized because you've been encountering some kind of violence, that's not a question, did you or did you not get shot in this encounter? So in public trauma, there's not the question of, He said, she said, did it happen or did it not happen? In private trauma, that's one of the things that differentiates it from public. Because in private trauma, this is the kind of personal level trauma that happens in the privacy of one's home or school or religious institution or or, um, club where there's some form of abuse or neglect or mistreatment 
that may or may not be known by anybody else. So then we get down very often to the he said, she said kind of thing. And our reaction to the trauma is compounded if someone tries to talk about what happened to them and they're not believed and they're not supported or they're not given the resources to help and heal. So then we have a uh, multiplicity of one trauma on top of another. So there's these two different types, right? The public and the private. And what I've identified in the book is a third type that I call, for want of a better word, ambiguous public trauma. And nowadays there are situations where, well, something happened in the public realm and we've got a whole lot of different interpretations and understanding of what that really was or if that really happened the way people are saying. And we have different political parties, we have different worldviews, we have different spiritual perspectives. And we have different ways of seeing the world. So this ambiguity that can happen even in the public realm is compounding the possibility that we get a second layer of trauma added to the first layer of whatever happened. That's so so interesting. I mean, and in the example I, I mentioned earlier with the family member where in his mind, he he feels that he's experienced a certain kind of trauma that I didn't experience. It, it, it's uh, my, my brother, we're in the, we were in the same household yeah. where it's so interesting with family members where one person can interpret, you know, I grew up, it seems like in a totally different, different place. So he's interpreting that information differently. And he feels that, that there's been trauma and I haven't said to, to totally deny what he's experiencing. Cause I, I know he feels something, but I, I, I like your, your explanation. That's so interesting. And then to compare it to the collective trauma that we're all kind of working with, you know, we're, we're getting our news from different places, yeah. you know, we're, we're absorbing all of this information around us and people are having a hard time making sense of it. I have so many friends that are complaining of anxiety, trauma, they're not sleeping, they're having nightmares you know? So it, your work is really needed right now, for sure. Let me just also make a comment. Well, two things to follow up on what you were saying about um, your brother. And, and what makes something traumatic is, is our felt sense, right? And our personal experience. So there is a subjective sense of what is or isn't trauma for people. But also every child in a family is born into a different family, right? Somebody has an older brother, Somebody has a younger sister. Somebody is the baby of seven children. Someone is the oldest of seven children. They're all born into a slightly different family system and their experience there is gonna be different even in the same family. Um, Someone is daddy's little girl. Someone is mama's favorite. Someone is not and they know it and they feel it. So even in the same family, there are different experiences that can happen. Right. I think that's so fascinating when you look at family of origin stuff and, you know, start digging into those experiences. It's really amazing. So in the book, you do differentiate between the difference between a dream, a bad dream and a nightmare. Mm -hmm. And I thought a bad dream and a nightmare were the same thing, but apparently they're not. Well, it's basically a matter of degree and how often it happens, right? So you can have a bad dream and you wake up and you're upset, but you're not distraught. That might be the difference. Um, like when you go to the, 
one of the things um, that I use in the book is a method of rating our emotional um, response to the dream that's called the SUDS level. And SUDS is borrowing from the field of energy psychology and EMDR, and it stands for subjective unit of distress. So like when you go to the doctor's office and they say, how bad is your pain rated on a scale of zero to 10? Zero being I'm fine, I feel great. And 10 being this is the worst distress I can possibly imagine. If you wake up from a dream and your level of anxiety or sadness or um, whatever the upset in the dream is, is somewhere between a four and a six, maybe you've got a bad dream. But if it's getting up there, seven, eight, nine, you're really feeling reactive to the experience you had in the dream, then it's more likely to be called in the category of nightmare. Um, and then there's the whole question of, was this a one-off bad dream? Was this a situationally determined bad dream? Because you know your computer system went down at work today, but that doesn't usually happen. So you had a stress dream, or is this something that's an ongoing recurrent repetitive nightmare that you have over and over and over again? So that's another way of thinking of them differently. Right. Now that makes sense. I mean, thankfully I haven't had or had to experience a recurrent nightmare. I mean, that would just be so debilitating and, and horrific. I, I could imagine what I, what I have experienced though in, and in my own interest in work and writing down dreams over the years, I have noticed key themes, uh, right. situations and things that happen and also I've paid a lot of attention to the emotional narrative, how more so than in trying to remember exactly what happened in the dream, because sometimes that's impossible, but I remember right. how I felt. Yeah. And, and you say that's an, an important uh, key element in, in working with dreams is to more so remember the feeling than the actual mm -hmm. story. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26 at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Well, I would say they're both important, but part of it is it goes back to the, our definition of what is a dream, right? Some dreams are long involved narrative stories that have a beginning and a middle of the end, and there's a cast of characters, and there's a whole setting, and there's a lot going on. That's one type of dream. Some dreams are one-liners. You wake up in the morning, you've got one line, that's it. That's your dream. Sometimes you wake up, whether it's in the middle of the night or the morning, and you have an emotion and a felt sense in your body, sometimes a physical response as well. For no particular reason, that could be the dream. You wake up feeling anxious, for example, and you have no idea why. That's what remains that you remember of the dream that you had. So I wouldn't say that the feelings are more important 
than the dream. But I'd say we have to look at them together to determine why has this dream or nightmare come to you? What is its message to you? What is it trying to, to tell you? And what do you need to ask of the dream? So in other words, what are your marching orders, right? What are you supposed to do as a result of having had this dream? Sometimes you're just supposed to enjoy it and say, wow, that was a really fun dream. I had a great time. And sometimes you're supposed to say, wow, what unfinished business in my life have I really not come to terms with? Because this dream keeps coming and hit me over the head over and over again. In that's the case of oh, that's so interesting. So, let, so just to ask about repetitive dreams. So for a while, I, I was having a repetitive dream that was so weird. And it was where I had chewing gum stuck in my mouth and I would pull it and pull it and pull it. And I couldn't get it off. Couldn't get it off. I was like stuck all over my teeth. And, and it was this recurring thing and I haven't had it in a while and it would be in different scenarios, but that would basically be what I was doing was I was pulling, pulling gum off my, off my teeth. I couldn't get it off. So would that be uh, like a frustration and anxiety thing? Like why, well, you know, why does I, that horrible dream come, keep coming back? Well, so it, it, interesting. So you, you're calling this a horrible dream. You don't wake up in terror, but it's frustrating. It's yes. horrible. You can't talk. Your mouth is full of gum. And I don't know if you, I don't think you read Modern Dreamwork, my first book, but I have a, a whole long story about a client of mine or a, 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 in, in my dream group who had that exact dream theme for years and years and years. And we worked on it over the years. She had taffy in her mouth or gum or something sticky and she couldn't get it out and she couldn't get it out. And that's the same person, by the way, who later on was waking up yelling F you in her sleep to her husband. And well, not to him, but he was next to her. And that was actually a real sign of progress for her to be able to say F you out loud in a dream. So dreams come in symbol and metaphor, right? So I can't tell you what your dream means. I'm not interpreting your dream, but I'm helping you figure out what it means to you. So I might be a guide. So if we think about the chewing gum in your mouth as a metaphor or a symbol, and you're the one who decides if this resonates for you, you know, well, let me ask you, what does it mean to you to have your mouth full of chewing gum? What, what when you think about that gum in your mouth, what are the thoughts, the emotions that come up for you when you think of it? Well, it was definitely frustration, you know, and anger and like, why is this happening? I can't get it off. I can't get it off. And, and thank you for sharing that because I feel relieved that someone else had, this, someone else had the same weird dream. Yeah. I thought it was just me, but I guess there's a lot of similar themes like flying and falling and right. jumping off buildings and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I'd probably have to say like frustration or aggravation or Mm -hmm. you know, feeling held back, not being able to move forward. Yep. So what's interesting, right? And if we think about the symbol or the metaphor, you're not able to express yourself. You're not able to get this thing that's blocking you from saying what's on your mind or what's on your, your heart, because this gum is filling your mouth and it's sticky and it's getting in the way. So you keep trying to get rid of it and you're feeling frustration and anger and aggravation and held back. So the question then I might ask is, where in your life at the time you were having the dreams, might you have been experiencing those feelings? Where were you feeling stuck or frustrated or held back in your life? And 
if you're not having the dreams anymore, which I think you said you haven't had in a while, I would hypothesize that whatever was the sticky place, the stuck place you were in before that was preventing you from speaking your own truth, you've somehow worked that through and resolved it because it's not blocking you anymore. Right. That, that, that makes total sense. And I really like how you discuss in the book that you don't even like to use the term dream interpretation. And, and I love that because I really think that people have to interpret it themselves okay. and, and you help them work through it. And my version of pulling the gum out, I'm sure mm-hmm. was much different than the other person who had the similar thing. You know, you said hers was taffy or it was a different, it was a different, you know, actual thing, but um, maybe there were similar roots of origin. Like maybe she was as frustrated as I was, that kind of thing. But, but I like how you make that distinction of not, there's not a blanket reason that everybody dreams certain things, but what do you think of the, the dream similarities, like how Jung would say we have the collective consciousness and that, you know, we all dream of falling or flying or Mm -hmm. like, I remember reading someone who described their flying dream. And I'm like, well, I fly that way in my dream. Like when I fly, I swim, like Uh I try to swim through the air. So oh, me too. <laughs> you do too. Isn't that funny? How, how would you explain that? Like the, the similarities that we all share? Well, I've explained it in a couple different ways. First of all, we all share a human body and we all share a brain that has developed in certain ways by virtue of us being human beings, as opposed to monkeys or crocodiles or, you know, toucans. So our neurological firings in our brain are developing in similar ways. And we all live in a particular culture. So people who live in the same culture are gonna share cultural metaphors and cultural symbols that are gonna be part of our language. And our language governs our thinking and our thinking governs our language. So when we're dreaming, the same images or metaphors that we might use in waking life um, like I, um, he doesn't have a leg to stand on or he was so mad he was spitting bullets or she was so happy she felt like she was flying. I mean, these kind of things that we just say in our waking life become symbolic metaphors in our dreams. So when we share a similar culture, we're sharing a set of similar metaphors and images So then when we're working with dreams of someone who's grown up in a different culture, the symbols might be different in, say, Chinese culture or Hindu culture or um, Eastern European culture than in American culture or indigenous culture. Some of the symbols will be the same because we're human beings and some will be different because of the context in which we've grown up. Okay, that makes total sense. I mean, do you think that there's any... um any truth or, or what do you think of like the, the universal field, or I don't know if this would be the same as the collective consciousness, consciousness, but that we're all part of a, a connection of like a, a universal field that we can tap into. A- absolutely. Yes. I, I think that we are composed, if you will, we're, we're bodies, we're minds, we're spirits. And the spirit part of us, that which enlivens us and makes us alive as opposed to not alive, I believe that energy field is connected throughout 
not only humanity, but across all sentient beings and perhaps all living beings and perhaps even all objects. Um, one of my teachers who is a shamanic rabbi, actually Gershon Winkler talks about um, the four kinds of beings. There are the human beings, the animal beings, the plant beings and the stone beings. And so it speaks to a kind of consciousness that we can pick up on that I think is very similar to what Jung calls the collective unconscious. Um, and that's one of the layers that can show up in our dreams too. We can dream for ourselves, we can dream for other people in our world and we can dream for the world as a whole. And sometimes we're having a dream that is not just for ourselves, it's for the world too. Right, that's so fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. To think that you know we're all connected by this this web, and that the the ideas may you know trans right. translate between all of us, you know so, I've been go ahead. <laughs> so, I don't know if you've seen one of my favorite movies is Avatar. Have you seen that? Oh yeah, many times. I love. Yeah, Avatar. I've seen it a few times myself, and I just love that idea that they plug into the tree and the tribe comes together with the web and the rootedness of the knowledge of the earth and the tree going through the tribe as they all kind of connect. And um, I think it was a great visual idea um, speaking about how we're all connected energetically. Yes. Yeah. I, I think that um, the, the, who was the director, James Cameron, you know, kind of tapping into that, um, mm -hmm. that metaphor is, is really cool. So I wanted to ask you too, because you touch on this and I've been reading a lot about somatic therapy and, a lot of the advances that have been made in, in that world. And you talk about this as being important to have a somatic or body oriented approach for healing from trauma and from nightmares. Mm -hmm. And I just was hoping you could touch a little bit on that just because I've been, it's been popping up in my Facebook feed, some different people, teachers that I'm following have mentioned that. And I read a really amazing book by this guy that was on Saturday Night Live, his name's Daryl Hammond, and he had, he had this horrible traumatic childhood. And he wrote how somatic therapy really helped him to come back into his body because he was so removed. And he writes of nightmares and, and horrible things that he experienced. Mm -hmm. So why do you think that's so important to you know bring the body into it to heal from that? So when something happens to us, we respond and we have feelings. And they're called feelings because we feel them in our physical bodies. And we know that our body mind is not two separate things. They're, they're, they're part of the same gestalt, the same whole. So that when we've had difficult experiences, whether they were physical, as in physical abuse or sexual abuse or medical trauma um, or emotional abuse, such as neglect or gaslighting or bullying or shaming of any part of us for any reason, we still feel those feelings in our body. And the whole world of what are called psychosomatic illnesses is where the emotions are resonating and held in our physical body. So we know that when we have feelings, we feel them and our language is full of it. I have a, a pit in my stomach. I have a, a lump in my throat. I have a splitting headache. And we're talking about emotions, but we're feeling them in our body. So we need to go back to the body for the cure 
as well as the illness. And there are a lot of people out there who have a lot of various orientations to somatic healing. And one of the granddaddies of the somatic field is Eugene Gendlin. And he wrote about, his book is called Focusing and it's a whole um, body of knowledge about how to tune in to what he calls the felt sense in our body to help inform us and to help move through the emotion and physical feelings that we are, that get stuck, right? Our feelings can get stuck in our bodies. Um, and then other somatic uh, practitioners such as Peter Levine, who is the one who created our technique called somatic experience, as well as Pat Ogden, who created, um, oh, I'm gonna blank on the name, psychomotor psychotherapy. So these are a couple of the big names in the somatic field where we're looking at, because we're an integrated human of body, mind, and spirit, we have to attend to the body too. And the healing can happen from the inside out or the outside in, right? It can happen from the top down or the bottom up. So we don't wanna neglect a directionality um, of where to begin and where to continue with our healing work, whether it's in a therapeutic setting or starting with the dream or the nightmare that we have. It's so important, I think, to make that integration yeah. and people can find such amazing healing by doing that. And I'm sure you, you, you would agree, or, or maybe you wouldn't, I don't know. I'm, I'll ask you okay. <laughs> if, if that can lead to maybe a catalyst or a trigger for things like cancer and chronic illness, not to blame the person for that happening. Right. But there is, is a connection. Well, you took the words right out of my mouth because back in the day when people were first talking about like the, the emotional basis of cancer and the, the Symingtons and um, what's his name, Bernie Siegel. And there was a lot of misunderstanding of what they were saying when they said, well, you know, your emotions have a part in creating your cancer. Well, yes, but that doesn't make it your fault, right? So we have to really differentiate between a body part or our, our somatic selves that are responding to both our emotional state as well as bacteria and rogue cells and broken bones and things that have nothing directly to do with our emotions um, to make sure we're not inadvertently blaming someone for their own illness. That being said, I absolutely agree that our emotional state can affect many different forms of illnesses. And particularly when it's a chronic sort of nonspecific and Western medical science is a little bit like, well, I'm not really sure what caused your, your IBS, right? Your irritable bowel syndrome or your migraine headaches or your chronic fatigue or your fibromyalgia or these sort of immunosuppressed disorders that Western medical science is saying, well, it could be this, it could be this, we're not really sure. In addition to take care of your diet, think about supplements, think about alternative therapies like acupuncture, chiropractic, um, Reiki, energy healing, pay attention to your dreams because your dreams can guide you in healing as well. They can show you what's gone wrong if you pay attention and then they can show you a path or direction for what you need to do to heal from these sometimes chronic or sometimes acute illnesses as well. 
Don't neglect doctors, don't neglect medical science, but don't neglect your dreams either. Right. I mean, are you seeing in your work, I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. Do you think that more and more therapists are coming to you to learn about how to work with people and their dreams? And it's not just like airy fairy, you know, woo stuff, but that Mm -hmm. real healing can take place when you, you integrate, you know, the, the mind and the body. Absolutely. Yes. I I would like it to become more well-known and more utilized because unfortunately in most schools of training therapists, whether it's psychology or social work or counseling or psychiatry, we don't get a lot of training in dream work. It's not part of our Western education yet. And I'd really, really like to see it become incorporated into how we train our therapists and our healers to work with people because we're missing out on a whole important, pun intended in a way, body of information that our unconscious selves bring us every night that has so much more information than our waking conscious minds have access to. I I joke with my clients sometimes and I'll say, you know, if you remember your dreams and you work with your dreams, it's like free therapy every night. You know, you're going to be out of here a whole lot faster if you pay attention to your dream work and think how much money you'll save um, if you do the work, if your conscious is bringing you as well as just what our our left brain linear minds can bring us. Right. I agree. I, I, I just, I think it's so interesting. And one other, one other thing I wanted to ask you, just because I've, I've read a lot about this over the past couple of years, lucid dreaming and that mm-hmm. term. And I've actually only experienced this a few times, which if people don't know what a lucid dream is, is that when you're dreaming and you realize you're dreaming. And, mm-hmm. and I've actually felt during a dream, if it was uncomfortable and I just remember saying to myself in the dream, this is a dream. Mm-hmm. So I knew it. So I, I kind of experienced that. I mean, am I describing lucid dreaming correctly? Yes. The, the short definition is exactly what you said, is that while you're asleep and dreaming, you're aware that you're having a dream. That sort of in a nutshell is what lucid dreaming is. And so you can spontaneously become lucid in a dream. And there are lots of ways to work on and practice learning to become lucid in a dream. And there are a number of of books out there nowadays and and, and podcasts and all sorts of information. A large large subcategory of the dream world is very involved in in lucid dreaming right now. It's fascinating. And if people are interested in, in trying to explore that or maybe learn how to do it, you should definitely check it out. And I just want to circle back to something I had mentioned earlier mm-hmm. in our talk. What do you think about the possibility of loved ones contacting us in our dreams? Oh, I'm glad you circled back to that. It's because you talked about um, having your mom visit. Yes. I didn't know if it was shortly after she passed or years later or both. It wasn't that long, but it was about maybe a year. It wasn't Mm -hmm. immediately after she passed, but it was within like that year. It was very different from any other dream I've had. It was very clear and vivid. We talked. I heard her voice in how she would communicate with me. You know, we were sitting in a restaurant on bar stools. <laughs> and the, the the feeling that I got was that, you know, oh, I'm, this is this is cool. I'm in a good place here. We're having wine and cheese, you know, that kind of thing. And it it, it wasn't a long dream, but it was yeah. very vivid to where I woke up and I even kind of got teary and emotional. My husband, I go, I talked to her, she was there. And, and mm-hmm. he, he dismisses a lot of those things, which is a, 
that's a funny dynamic in our own relationship. He thinks I'm nuts. But I mean, is what do you think? Is he by any chance like an engineer or something or a computer geek or something like that? Kind of, yeah. He's linear, linear thinker. I'm yeah, the, I'm the right dreamer. Brain, yeah, there are right brain people and left brain people. Um, and it's ironic how often sometimes like, you know, between the two of you, you can both sides of the brain like cooking with gas. <laughs> right, right. Um, but Absolutely, yes. And what you describe, the way you described this visit from your mom is, is the way people describe the difference between a dream that was a symbol or a metaphor or a character that showed up and a visitation. And when people describe the visits, they usually talk about, use the language that you are using, which is, it was really vivid. It was in 3D. Um, I could hear her voice like she was in the room with me. I could, you know, smell the perfume that she wore. It was that quality of, of like more real than real. And to be perfectly honest, in most major and not major um, religious and spiritual traditions, there is a belief system that includes and incorporates the possibility that we can be visited by departed uh, friends and relatives. If we go back to that sense that we're energy bodies living in a physical body, when we pass, where does that energy go, right? So if it goes back to the, the, the field, right, and depending on your spiritual belief system, whether you think that is God, or the universe, or the, the divine, or, or the force, but I think my personal belief is that when we have lived in a body, our personality and our, the energy of our personality carries the imprint of the life we lived. So that when we pass the energy body that still is the imprint of your mom or of my mom or my dad can still be in contact with us. Um, this gets into a whole other realm of, you know, right, right. Lives, future lives, but it's, a visit is usually comforting. It's usually a, a wonderful opportunity to say, oh, I'm so glad you're in a good place. Sometimes if there's unfinished business, when somebody has died, you get an opportunity to say, hey, let's, let's have a chat now, now that you're no longer encumbered by the difficulties in your physical life. Let, let's work out these places where we didn't finish, finish working stuff out and develop a whole different relationship with them after they've passed. So that's a gift um, in addition to the visit itself of the opportunity to, to do some healing of a relationship. Thank you for saying that. That's so, uh, I, and I haven't had a dream like that with my father. I do ask him if he ever wants to, to come and, and talk. Um, not that we had a bad relationship at all. Uh, I, I just think it's interesting. I hadn't had that dream, but I did have that with my mother and, and I, I think it's possible. So Thank, thanks for the confirmation. Oh, sure. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting because we don't know for sure what, what goes on like over there on the other right. side of the veil and who comes through the portal and who doesn't when we're asleep or, or, or awake for that matter. But um, I, I've had the same experience. Both my mom and my dad have passed and my dad is like, all I have to do is say his name and he's right here. He's with me. I hear his voice. He's, he's really available. He comes back and forth like at a moment's notice. My mom once in a blue moon, not so often. And we had a lovely relationship. Um, I was actually the last person she saw before she died. And, you know, she had a, so we had a real opportunity to 
have a kind of closure because I knew she was going to die and other people didn't um, just from having visited her. But my sense is, and here's me just making it up in a way. My sense is she is so content over there doing whatever she's doing that she's like, oh, honey, you can take care of it if the kids need something. You know, I'll show up if I need to, you know, tell them I love them, but I'm busy doing whatever I'm doing. Um, and it's just not her role in the afterlife to, to come visit so much. It's just my sense. Right. Um, well, I, but, w- I would agree. I would hope that in the afterlife, we're unburdened with all of that stuff. Yeah. And there's no worry or fear or any of that. So that that's a, that's a comforting thought. There's yeah. some, I mean, I could talk about this all day. There's so many amazing <laughs> things in the book. I really hope people pick this up. PTS Dreams transform your nightmares from trauma through healing dream work. And you had mentioned earlier, we chatted briefly before the podcast that you are an active therapist now, but you're looking to kind of transition out of seeing patients, you know, regularly and do some other things. Uh, what, what are your plans, you know, with the, around this book or any, any other new books that you're working on? This might be the first time I'm saying it publicly. So, <laughs> so you hit the jackpot. Um, I've been doing this work for a long time, and I am one of those fortunate people that I love my work. I feel it's it's such an honor and a gift to be able to sit with people and help uh, hold the space and and midwife them through difficult times. And I'm not planning to stop tom- tomorrow, but over the next couple of years, I'm, I haven't been taking any new clients for a while, um, but I'm continuing to see all the people I've been seeing. Um, and what I'm gonna be transitioning to more is I'm gonna continue to be doing consultation and doing short-term work. Um, I'm trained as an EMDR therapist. So I'm gonna continue to do short-term EMDR consultation with people where I'm not seeing them over a long time, but rather we'll do like a piece of work. But where my focus is gonna continue to go is to do more and more dream work, offer more dream circles, both online and live if people are local, Um, continue to do more writing. Uh, Some really lovely person who I just met today is promised to teach me how to do podcasts. Um, That would be Diane. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So that's in my future. And um, I'm actually teaching a class um, this fall at at Hebrew College, which is local here in the Boston area, but the class is going to be online. And it has to do with healing our ancestral trauma through dream work finding the gifts and the burdens um, using the science of epigenetics that we are now learning more and more about um, and using the avenue of dream work to bring healing back through previous generations in our family histories so that the buck kind of stops with us and then we can transform it forward. So that's an area that I'm working toward and may have another book in me around that topic. <laughs> That's so exciting. And I didn't mean to freak out any of your clients that may no, be no, listening. Not to going out this. <laughs> <laughs> You're not leaving anytime soon. So if you are a client of Linda's, do not worry. She will never abandon you. Um, but okay. it's exciting that you're out there in the world. I think that this work is, is so needed. And I urge people to check out your website, ptsdreams.com and pick up the book and hopefully we'll hear more from you very soon. And thank you so much for spending all this time with me, Linda. It was my pleasure, Diane. Thank you. You were terrific to enjoy having a conversation with you.
Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.